Hi, I'm Adnan Mahmutovic, and this is Love and Is Discontents podcast. Today I have a really special guest from Canada, Amila Boturovic, who was born in Sarajevo, uh, where she completed her BA in Arabic language and literature at the University of Sarajevo. She came to Canada on the Aga Khan Fellowship to do an MA in Islamic Studies at McGill, where she also did her PhD. Since her appointment at York in the Department of Humanities and Religious Studies uh, in the mid-90s, she has been interested in the cultural history of Ottoman and post-Ottoman Balkans, specifically Bosnia. Now, she was investigating the formations and expressions of Islamic culture in a contextual way, that is, in relation to other religious cultures in the region. She is the author of many scholarly articles, two monographs of books. One is uh, entitled Stone Speaker, Bosnian Tombstones, Landscapes and Identity in the Poetry of Makdizdar. Makdizdar is a famous classical Bosnian uh, poet. Then there is Carved in Stone, Etched in Memory, Tombstones and Commemoration in Bosnian Islam. She's also co-editor with Irvin Schick of Women in the Ottoman Balkans. Her most recent project focuses on the culture of health and healing in Ottoman Bosnia, specifically in relation to esoteric teachings and occult practices. So it's really exciting, this, this new this new road she's taken. Now, as a part of this project, she has teamed up with the National Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina to research and help curate their collection of artifacts that speaks to the rich and interconfessional heritage of magic and healing in Ottoman Bosnia. Amila, you are welcome to Love and His Discontents. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This is a really an exciting podcast, so I'm happy to take part. And I think uh, our subject is is extremely exciting. I mean, it's uh, something that I feel well, like when I first saw your uh, research, when I saw the posts that you had, you know, with these fragments from old texts. Uh, of course, I think most of us uh, kind of geek out when we see those kinds of things uh, like oh she had this uh, privilege of you know digging into those old archives and finding all kinds of weird and exciting stuff and all, all that so I think uh, uh, I, I've seen a lot of people reacting really uh, positively and with a kind of a hunger for knowledge uh, seeing seeing your work uh, and um and it seemed to me that uh, the the notions of uh, like uh, spells and uh, potions, love spells and love potions, seems to be like um, something that's kind of common to most cultures. I, I I would guess that most cultures have some kinds of love spells and potions, uh, and uh, uh, as just as love is a common thing, you know, thing that uh, that is uh, uh, something that ties us across these kind of. Uh, Know, ethnic, national, um, religious, all kinds of borders. Uh, this is a particular part, I think, cultural thing that, uh, that I feel is something that would interest many. But before we go into um, th- that research and what these uh, love spells and potions are, I think we first need to define the main topic, which is love. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, 
wh why does it even need something like you know law potions and uh, and spells? So what wh what is love? Uh, what is love? Do we have about uh, three years for this podcast? <laughs> at, least. The, at least, yeah. well, at least. So I would say that um, it is really quite important to be contextual in this case. I mean, I always like to be contextual, in the sense that. Um, lots of historical circumstances and cultural circumstances give rise to particular uh, attitude towards the concept that otherwise, as you say, is universal. And, and we see it in, in every culture functioning in many different ways, being treated and defined in many different ways. So I think it is, it, it, um, it is very important that we do not impose our understandings onto the texts and objects that we are dealing with, particularly those that are separated from us in time and space. Um, I had done, I had worked on the topic of love um, in my graduate work, in fact, uh, when I was working on um, Arabic poetry from, um, from Spain, from El Andalus, and I did my MA on love poetry of Ibn Khuzman, a very famous um, but somewhat neglected Arab poet who uh, at the time, I understood, you know, offered his own take on, on or or, or his own uh, reworking of the concept of love that had been inherited from, you know, the Quranic texts, the, from the Quranic ma uh, material to the Islamic tradition to the more kind of Sufi stuff, and then Udri poetry, which is more of a Platonic uh, uh, style of love. And then when you see this in the personal intervention of a poet can actually both synthesize but also create havoc in those inherited notions of love. And that was the first, uh, my first, my, that first encounter, more serious kind of research encounter, where I accepted that, okay, I cannot really tell him what he means by love. I need to let the text speak to me. And um, so, which is why maybe, you know, having that kind of micro-historical beginning makes it very hard for me to generalize and I tend to avoid generalizations but I can say that in all the different situations I have worked with there has always been a grapple or kind of a grappling over something that is extremely elusive on the one hand but also very certain so there is in both in all of these different cases that I've been dealing with uh, there is both a sense of control and a complete lack of control of of understanding of knowledge of feeling of everything that makes up that that you know that concept of love so when it comes to magic spells when it comes to actually the occult tradition this this comes uh, to uh, be exemplified i think in the most in the richest and the most dynamic and most luminous of ways because magic after all is a way of both saying there is something that we cannot control but also there is a desire to control so when you know when when you approach um, any topic from that perspective any understanding of human emotion of human behavior of the of the cosmos of the world of interpersonal relations in that way you both admit to your inability to to comprehend it all but also this this really strong desire to control it. So the, the push and pull between knowledge and lack of knowledge, between certainty and uncertainty, between presence of, of 
emotion, but the absence of something that fulfills it in in the kind of most comprehensive and full, you know, way that that makes you relax, is what characterizes these uh, occult practices, and um, they try to cover really every ground that there is in terms of the expression of love. So it is a sentiment, it's also knowledge, it is also a relation, it's also a sense of stability, it's a sense of control, but it's also a complete sense of um, mystery and, and, uh, and knowledge that, that we can never fully control it. That that makes uh, perfect sense. Although it it sounds a little bit like madness, uh, which I suppose is connected to love, but it, it makes perfect sense because we have the uh, the idea that, uh, in a sense, we want to understand love. Uh, we want to uh, uh, we want to be able, as you as you say, control it because it is beyond control, uh, and uh, uh, and we know that uh, well, we know that we cannot know it in in the in the most kind of pure rational way so uh, so it seems to me that uh, these practices these material practices uh, are as you said both a ways of uh, exercising some kind of knowledge because I, sp I suppose and we'll talk about this the recipes for instance and the spells are very specific uh, they are uh, they are controlled measured all those things but they contain a heavy dose of uh, of the uncontrollable, so they, they become like a representation of what love is, the material representation of how we perceive love as both just incomprehensible, but also uh, very, well, we know what love <laughs> is instinctively. Yes, I, I agree, yes, and I, I would like just to um, add one thing that is a kind of uh, that makes the the occult practice esoteric teaching somewhat different from say the idea of uh, um, even poetic love even love as expressed in poetry or or love as expressed in Sufi tradition or love that is expressed in in a more a sacred kind of religious uh, uh, sense that for the occult practices as far as I can see there is really no boundary. There is no there is no definition of subject and object. Subject and object is a much more open um, to much more open entities or concepts than they are in any of these other versions, because in the other ones there is more of a formality associated with who you are turning your your emotions towards. So there is a sort of formation of the relationship that is more stable. Uh, in its instability, it's more so you can, as a reader, you can actually follow the, at some level, follow the logic of uh, relation, the relational logic. Whereas in occult uh, practices and, um, and in these esoteric manuals that I've been looking at, you really cannot, you don't, you know, it, it becomes, as a, for a reader, it becomes extremely hard to categorize um, to classify, uh, yet classification and categorization is necessary, of course, because you know in order to understand anything, you want to you want to to make sense of group it in some way and and create a certain structure or logic to it that can help you then 
you know, de deconstructed, if you wish. But in this case, you know, it, it, the you start with a mess and you end up with a mess. Yet you fall, there is there is a certain logic that you you know that that is very seductive because it makes you feel that they know exactly what they are talking about. But but you don't know, you know, you don't. I mean, there are there are certain formula that textually exist where supposedly it works, and you know they 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 use a particular. Um, a term there which says tested and tested not as in tested as in not in in the experimental sense you know of modern science where you through experiment you know get to to a conclusion that is valid but rather as in it works because others have tried it so it's ex experientially tested so you know so and then others are not others other recipes are not so you know you you understand that even they are able to or or they need to they, they try to make certain differentiations um, so amidst all of that you know complication of of emotions and and expression of emotions and relations and subject object uh, dynamic uh, when it comes to to uh, love sentiments well, that, that is fascinating it, it, it the, the I, I can I can you know see these scenes and you know trials and errors and uh, in a, in a sense uh, honing the skills uh, and craft over generations and generations uh, and and I'll um, and I want to uh, ask you a little bit uh, uh, in in a moment about the, how they they work but before that I was thinking that if you could tell us what kinds of spells and recipes have you found and what are people specifically after. Like with these, what are the, what do they specifically want? So, um, very often, they include within the category of love, uh, particularly in the esoteric manuals. So, I'm talking here about two different types of sources, and let me just emphasize that there are the um, the talismans and the amulets, and I'm particularly working on the talismans. There, there are the talismans which are examples of material culture. They are objects uh, which are used uh, ritually, which are used, uh, you know, to to uh, as part of one's uh, expression of faith in in you know in the working of of this talisman. So the talismans are material objects, and they have uh, their own in a way logic, and they have their own historicity, and so so they need to be understood on their own terms. And then there are the manuals, the esoteric manuals, grimoires, and various kinds of esoteric sources, which are part of a. Um, a, a a broader written tradition and which are um, a, a sort of cumulative knowledge that has been passed on through not just generation but through different kinds of cultural uh, encyclopedia um, that can be traced back to you know ancient uh, Hellenic uh, cultures to the ancient Persian world to to uh, early Arabic texts to ancient uh, uh, Indian tradition so there is a kind of transmission of accumulation of that knowledge which then is processed in specific um, 
historical moments and contexts, one of them being Ottoman Bosnia. So when all that knowledge arrived in Ottoman Bosnia, when it was accumulated in, in, in Ottoman Bosnia, it sort of met up with uh, the local, the existing local uh, tradition and ritual practices, which had already been quite rich and quite also diverse and eclectic because they involved um, the, some of the you know, local Slavic customs, um, uh, the Byzant the, from the Byzantine tradition, uh, uh, from the Orthodox Eastern Orthodox tradition, from the Catholic tradition, Franciscan tradition, and so on and so forth. So there is a lot uh, of meeting um, within Bosnia of these of the different ideas and the different categorizations and different um, mores and different ingredients and different types of knowledge, different languages. So all of that, in fact, makes it extremely rich, not just to see how history works, but also how it is reworked, how it is uh, absorbed and then put back into, um, into practice. Into, uh, knowledge is absorbed and then given as a form of a talisman. So, so what I'm observing here is, in fact, um, a rather not just eclectic, but also open-minded, if you wish, set of uh, propositions as to what what we need to to solve in our lives. And everybody's, you know, has um, in some ways has has uh, given us or any, any of these talismans and, and these um, and these esoteric manuals. They have given us insight into the complexity of life situations. This is about life, really. And love is part of that life. And sometimes, just as we do it now, we confuse love with other things. You know, so we, we have this anxiety in us, which we think is because of some love. But then we go to a therapist and he says, well, no, no, think about why you would be anxious. And then you learn how to, in fact, dissociate or how to learn that love can trigger certain other emotions. And and in these pre-modern manuals and these pre-modern talismans, this is already there instinctively, not necessarily as systematically in, the, in terms of you know uh, contemporary psychoanalysis and psychotherapy, but rather it is um, it is there almost um, intuitively posed as um, as something that you can you can benefit from if you think of uh, resolving, um, say a, a uh, issue with your with, where you know it is it says it's a love potion but in fact you see it is in fact what we, it's something else that we, we would we would classify something else now for example we would classify it as as you know marital uh, you know as infertility issues around childbirth that's right for I see that yes good. or issues yeah. around well-being you know uh, the, the the household well-being issues around family, uh, or family values, as it were, family relationships. You know how 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 to uh, have a better marriage by having your children, uh, you know, healthy, for example. So you see, all that comes under the ca these categories of love. Muhabbetich, for example, it says th this is a spell for love, and then it says, well, it's about really making your children eat better. Oh, that's that's lovely. As if, that's really as if, yeah. as if this will now resolve your marital uh, situation, or you know, or how to have um, how to use sex for uh, particular ends, for political ends, for example, 
or you, you know if you need to do if you need to sex to seduce your um, uh, your commander in the army or if you need to uh, if you need to uh, make sure that your that your wife you know that your future wife will bring a bigger dowry what you do so things like this you know or your in-laws or your um, outlaws you know it's, it's all these all these different relations that we don't necessarily classify as love but in those in that in in the material that i'm working with it, amazingly it all goes under the category of love so you know from anything from really heartbreak and heartache to uh, marital relations to same-sex desires to um, a lust, uh, both within uh, licit relationships and outside of those relationships, there is a recipe for everything. So, so those who who were putting together those recipes and who relied on this long tradition of, you know, how to control positive forces, how to control, um, how to bring together the the uh, particularly ruhaniyat the the, the uh, celestial spirits to help you with your problem they don't really put they they don't censor anything they respond and they don't censor so and because of that we have a much richer and broader reflection of how people have um, gone about their lives and their challenges you know that involve other people sometimes other beings, you know, because there is also love vis-a-vis -vis the jinn, sometimes vis-a-vis -vis the animals, oh, that's sometimes vis-a-vis, right. yes. -vis, you know, uh, in, in imagine, what you imagine, you know, in your imagination, love towards somebody that you imagine. Um, so all ranges are there. Oh, that's, uh, that is amazing because it really shows that uh, there is no kind of reductive approach to love. Love is uh, is pretty much everything. It's not just a feeling. It's not uh, simply that, uh, as you said, connected to, you know, desiring someone uh, in particular and then maybe heartbreak, uh, healing the heartbreak, but uh, or, or wanting someone to love you, to, to make someone love you in, in a sense, uh, or mending your heart. Uh, but all I, I love all these practicalities that you mentioned because they very much show how people conceive the love operates, uh, that love is not just something that... Uh, that takes you out of the world, but is... is uh, a part of everyday life and how if your everyday life doesn't function i love the uh, this um, this example of uh, having your kids eat better because you know all of us who are parents we can i think uh, very much relate to that yes. like when the kids are not eating there is a huge worry in the family and that uh, causes uh, well, the number of problems, just generally worry, and then you cannot relax with your pa partner, for instance, and uh, exactly. all, all that. So one thing is connected to another. It's, uh, love is not divorced from other things, some uh, kind of magically, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. And, and I think that needs to be put in the context of pre-modern notion of health yes. and well-being, which is what we would now call integrative health, rather than the kind of what the modern medicine, of course, has has advanced, which is you know the 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 way in which the kind of more pathological approach in which we are 
um, and more um, modular approach in which you know you can separately treat one thing over another you focus on liver but you don't you don't you don't forget you forget about you know other parts of your body whereas in pre-modern medicine this is all constantly related and one part of the body cannot be healed if other parts of the body are not um, addressed and and that comes with the environment so you need to be healed within a particular environment within certain astral correspondences you cannot heal your you know if, if you have liver issues uh, venus has to be in a particular position you cannot heal if there is no uh, 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 sympathy it's this idea this theory of sympathies and antipathies that that focuses also on on issues of health so that certain uh, constellations and certain uh, astral moments are in fact more uh, auspicious for for healing certain uh, uh, challenges um, and that and and is emotions are part of that so um, so we have you know in Bosnia tradition Sevdalinka Sauda is the black bile you know it is it's part of that idea of of, of pre-modern pre-modern medicine of of the four humors uh, that being associated with passion and with madness and and melancholy and emotions the kind of dark side of 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 the emotions um, that also needs to be treated in 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 a similar way in other words in connection with other uh, aspects of of uh, of the body so 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 in that sense it is as you say it's not reductive and it's not fragmented so there is no fragmentation of a human experience uh, so you can be you know you you can be in in battle and still uh, battle with emotions so you know so so it's not that you are just because you are in the battlefield that you are not somehow that you can cut off your emotional woes if you have any so they are they're they're trying to i mean there are recipes you know for soldiers love potions for soldiers so you know so clearly i mean these soldiers are not you know they're not going into the battlefield to find love they're going to battlefield to do to do battles yeah to 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 be behave as soldiers but but you know they need to they need to address their uh the the love side that might be you know uh leaving behind or or n not having or feeling the absence of and feeling depression for towards i mean they don't use the word depression but they definitely sauda is part of that um the, the vocabulary so and what's interesting is how easily um and you know one can describe this to kind of to the messiness of these and disorganization of these manuscripts which is initially what i what I uh, thought, you know, you 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 work your way through it, and they just throw in topics. They throw in topics. There is no, you know, chapter one on this, chapter two on this. No, they just throw in, throw in. So you have to go through the whole text. You know, sometimes these texts are are two hundred pages long or three hundred pages long, and you find the scattering of these of of uh, of what uh, these these potions and these recipes all over the place and this, it starts with saying okay you know if you have excessive in one of the cases if you have excess excessive earwax uh, this is what you do uh, and then it finishes the recipe and then it says 
and if your wife is not performing sexually so you know so it just sort of jumps from topic to topic jumps from topic. so from it's, earwax it, to to sexual performance so, exactly so so there's no <laughs> it's there is a sense that everything is equally important you see what i mean so when it comes to well-being so there is no um, there is no ordering there is no hierarchy of presentation there is a certain order sometimes the order is based on what, what i found to be the organizing sometimes logic is around a tip, particular types of talismans. So whether it is talismans to be suffumigated, to be burnt, or talismans to be, uh, to be uh, uh, diluted in water, or it is talismans that use particular, for example, surah from the Quran. Um, or, and then sometimes they are about uh, yes, uh, 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 sexual prowess, and then there is lots of sex, 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 and then and then it moves on to uh, to high fever, um, and then it comes back to uh, if you want somebody to be madly thinking only about you, and this is interesting. They don't use the word that they are in love with you, but that they are kind of sometimes obsessed with that they only can think of you. Or, uh, or so you you want to make someone think of you constantly. Me think of you constantly. Oh wow! Okay. Or and then it yeah. says you know and then and, and then there is gendering, which is very important. If there are talismans, uh, recipes addressed to women, recipes addressed to men, and they are never confused. They are never confused. They are never confused, and this is very important that there is a certain. Um, attitude towards or a certain assumption that men and women do not process emotions in the same way. Oh, I see. That's or they don't process yeah. these challenges in the same way. Um, this is, of course, in modern medicine. So only recently that we have started to see sort of gendered application of, of, of medication and, and the recognition that there might be a difference in, in the way in which in which, but this is in, in pre-modern medicine, in pre-modern medical theories. This this was acknowledged. This was part of the the theories, and it's it is reflected in these uh, love talismans. So, and is the difference the, uh, mainly like in terms of? Um, uh, so I, I suppose it has to do with diagnostics that you diagnose uh, it differently. Is it, so in practice, is it about uh, let's say in a recipe you use different. Uh, ingredients uh, in in talismans spells that you use different formulas or uh yes yes so you uh, so it says for example for if if a woman wants her husband to think only of her when he's gone on a trip you you use this amount of and then there are various ingredients so um uh, the, the, you know this this proportion, and then you use this magic formula and this aya. Uh, so, so then this is all written down, and um, and then there are, there are specific instructions what to do with that with that type of talisman, and then you see um, a list of ingredients in, for example, in in these recipes that are addressed to women, that. Um, you know, repeated repeatedly include certain um, certain ingredient certain uh, uh, ingredients, particularly botanical uh, ingredients, plants, but they don't appear in 
male talismans. So there is, for example, uh, something um, uh, called Sara Halile and Kara Halile. Uh, these are two. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a plant that um, uh, we don't have in Bosnia, but it was nevertheless common in in the uh, Ottoman lands, particularly in Eastern Ottoman lands. It's a plant that comes from uh, South Asia, actually, and. Um, Kara Halile is in love potions, is never used, for example, for for women, uh, only for men. Only in, in recipes addressed to men, you can have Kara Halile, but not Sara Halile. Sara Halile, yellow Halile, yellow and black Halile. So yellow Halile is used for women, the black one is used for men. And then it's, you know, so you see, but then you see both of them used in other recipes in other types of healing, uh, you know, uh, intense, intentions. So how this comes about, again, is cumulative knowledge, whether this is part of the one, one aspect of my research is now is to connect the uh, pharmacopoeia, the Ottoman pharmacopoeia, the, the whole, uh, the body of material that is associated with pharmaceutics, uh, botanical pharmaceutics, to see actually how much connection there is between um, the plants that have been used medicinally in the Ottoman Empire. Again, this is something that comes out of many different heritages, Greek, um, uh, South Asian, Persian and Arabic, um, particularly from, of course, De Materia Medica, from uh, Dioscurides' work that t circulated within the Arab land, that was translated into Arabic, that was then translated also into Ottoman Turkish, and that we have copies of in Bosnia as well. So looking at seeing how, you know, whether these these uh, herbs and plants appear in, in what with what kind of potency and what kind of function and use they appear in, in the so-called mainstream uh, pharmaceutical uh, practice versus occult practice. So I've seen some connections there. It's it's a it's a long and arduous research because of course you know I go plant by plant and some plants appear in in the occult but not appear in 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 pharma, in the pharmacopoeia in the in the mainstream photography. So there is a bit of a of difference, but there is a certain logic, and then also there is no logic. So for example, I have a pepper, uh, a black pepper, which is used you know a lot for bronchial. Um, bronchial issues uh, for cold, basically common, what we would say common cold, um, gains this new property, the occult property, and these are called, by the way, hawas, the, the special property, which are uh, properties that are regulated not through their botanical properties, but through their celestial connections, so through ruhaniyat, are in charge of these plants in the occult practice, you see. So these are the so-called the Hawas. The, the Hawas is a term that is, that is there, part of the esoteric and occult tradition. It's a kind of special property of, of something, a special property of, uh, it can be of a plant or of, of anything else, of some, some kind of an entity, or, or a planet for that matter. But in this case, uh, so, you know, the, uh, I have a whole treatise called Hawas or Fulful, the, 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 uh, the, um, the special properties of, 
of of the uh, of black pepper, in which you see all these kind of bronchial uh, benef benefits from uh, the pepper is absent, and there is now sexual benefit from 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 uh, the pepper, black pepper. But it works in opposite ways for men and women. For men, it enhances male sexuality, so male desire, it, it enhances it. And for women, it decreases female sexuality. It decreases female decreases. sexuality? Decreases. In one case, it increases it. In the other case, it decreases it. Oh, wow. That's so, the difference. Yeah. So yeah. the difference is then, then when, you, when you use it in a spell intended for a man, then you, you, know, you use it so as to enhance... Um, a male performance, sexual performance. But if the, the the husband who wants the wife not to be too sexually curious, uh, they will use it in the recipe for women to decrease her sexual sexual. Oh wow! Desire. So it's like a taming of the uh, sexual it's desire. Like the, yes. So uh. there are these different now. Um, I must say that this is not necessarily consistent. That in some other. Of manuals course, yeah. this will be perhaps differently but i'm i'm working with i'm trying to work with the material that we have in bosnia to so as to create this connection between written culture the instructions you know it's like going to ikea and having the manual how to make how to make build the the thing so you know so i want to see how this a talisman comes about and who you know so looking at the the material um, i mean looking at the material evidence the talisman itself the object itself and then linking it to uh, the written culture to the knowledge that is being transmitted and where that knowledge is in fact where it originates and how it is transferred how it is exchanged how what mm -hmm. happens when you know we talk about ingredients that don't exist locally um, there is a whole yes. principle of, you know, there is a whole very careful, carefully um, uh, designed and, and uh, commitment to find adequate replacement. Or if there is no replacement, it keep the original recipe. So such as in the case of Sara Halila and Kara Halila, yes. which don't exist in Bosnia. Yeah, I was I was really fascinated by that uh, where you uh, said that uh, that the recipes don't change, so 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 you don't adapt the recipe in a, uh, in that you alter it, rather you keep the recipe, but practically you find uh, replacements for certain uh, uh, for certain you know uh, ingredients. Yes, and, but uh, that you, that will be yeah. indicated. That will be. That will be indicated. I yes. see. Okay, so it's uh, but th that's a, a wonderful way of kind of keeping the sense of the trajectory of the recipe, you know, the, this kind of history of it, where it comes from. Uh, so it's not adapt adaptation simply in uh, changing uh, in uh, kind of uh, appropriating it to the, uh, the local uh, setting, uh, culture, all these things. So, so you want to keep the history of it. Uh, you honor that kind of the origin of it, it comes, because there seems to me Almost as if there is a part of the spell is in the fact that it uh, has a history, that it has, uh, you know, the weight of, of the history that has been tried in other places, that uh, it comes from these uh, sages or these wise people from, from other cultures. So it's yes. not like, like it's over there, that's, that's bad because that's, you know, other culture, rather you, you build upon, upon that. You build upon it. You, in fact, these ma many of these, most of these recipes, 
are a beautiful testimony to that cumulative, to accumulation of knowledge mm. and transfer of knowledge and the meeting of cultures and and the, the the trajectories through which this knowledge circulates, as it circulates now. But we don't, when we think about pre-modern period, we think really in more um, in, in more uh, disconnected terms. And uh, these kinds of these traditions that were not censored, as it were, you know, in in um, uh, uh, in the same way in which something that is um, closer to a more mainstream political or theological or social, um, you know, institutional life, uh, they actually reflect really a history of. Um, lots of intimacy on the one hand, social intimacy, but also a lot of um, a lot of openness and but but yes, but but also curiosity as well as enough um, enough sense of originality to sort of intervene when intervention is needed. And um, and here, I, I mean, uh, from the academic sort of perspective, I like to um, uh, he, uh, to use what for, uh, what what uh, the Cuban anthropologist or it's uh, 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 referred to as transculturation. So, kind of meeting of cultures in which um, it's not acculturation; it's not just sort of one culture kind of moving into the other and or replacing the other but rather they're they're coming together and then some things stay some things disappear so it's a way of negotiating uh, cultural material that is new a material that that comes into a context in which existing practices of course resist uh, change so they they adjust they you know they they adjust so so if you don't have um, uh, if you if you don't have a particular kind of uh, nut in your you know in your botanical uh, repertoire, you use the nut that you think is closest to the one that is being suggested. And now, why that is chosen as opposed to other nuts? Why walnut is closer to pecan as opposed to to hazelnut? Is a matter of then explanation. And some of these recipes will explain that, or the explanation will be found. Uh, in um, in in these in the botanical manuals, where it will say you know, where it will say um, a, a black, uh, for example, black walnut is good for a recipe where pine nut is if pine nut is absent. Ah yes. So some kind of um, um, this is the combination of things that kind of uh, produces uh, the effect. Uh, but I assume there is also a desire with you know these recipes that there is a desire to also acquire the original ingredients and so, so that they travel as well either as merchandise or as you know um, import uh, uh, but also maybe to try and plant those things locally yes certainly i mean that is i think um a, a very important aspect of the kind of the agricultural um, dimension of it. And we do have in the history of the occult a very important early manual which is known as as, um, as a kind of manual for agriculture, agricultural uh, sector which is, is also then enters into the uh, into the Islamic um, esoteric tradition and occult uh, tradition. 
because of this idea that you know it is all interconnected what we eat is what ultimately affects you know how we behave and and also is related to how then uh, life the like the cycle of life this the harvest cycle and 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 in in Bosnia and all over the Balkans the old Slavic uh, tradition of harvest tradition and harvest season is very important and you know so much of generally of the uh, of you know so this, uh, calendar sacred calendar and uh, life cycle is associated with with um, with agricultural calendar in fact you know the, the period of harvest the period of uh, many of the sacred months are in fact uh, connected to that so all of this is in fact related sometimes not directly but indirectly and um, and and I think in part um, because of this sort of rich attitude towards and and complex attitude towards nature uh, which in the Balkans is is harsh I mean it, it's it's beautiful but it's very harsh it's uh, seasons are very winter is harsh uh, and and food is scarce in winter and so so uh, local practices have adjusted to this and I think they have also embraced this idea that that uh, that you know what you see growing in nature not only helps you nourish the body but also can help you in fact control some of the some of the more uh, some of the more hidden sort of uh, aspects of your of your life and your well-being uh, you know how, the, the, how, how calm you are or how how sad you are or how happy you are and and uh, things like that yeah all those oh, that's uh, so fascinating I'm just thinking like, like growing up I think we Bosnians are kind of conservative with uh, uh, for instance, spices. It seems to me that we all kind of have an aversion to spices. So it's salt and pepper. So now pepper is explained to me like that's this is why we Bosnians <laughs> love pepper. So it's uh, yeah, so yeah. good. You know, I'm good. And by Do the this. way, by the way, in my pre-modern uh, in these Ottoman manuals, uh, we had much more uh, a, a much more dynamic relationships with many of the things that we don't mm -hmm. anymore. Such as ginger, such as saffron, ginger, of course, as, yes, such yeah. as uh, turmeric. All of that was actually locally produced and locally yes. grown. And you know, it, mo many recipes involve ginger, um, the combination of ginger, honey, and and turmeric and cinnamon. Cinnamon was is of very course. common in love love potions, as oh, well as imagine, in yeah. in in health. Uh, other health issues, bodily, you know, uh, mm. uh, anti-inflammatory uh, uh, things. So, so when you have sore throat or you have a sore mm. on your uh, a sore wound, you use mm. cinnamon. So it, they were these re these ingredients were in fact readily available more than they are now. In fact, you know, more more much more than than many of them are now. That, that I find uh, really. In us, it's weird, and and uh, and uh, so I don't know what the cause of that is. Uh, and, I mean, for instance, here in Sweden, we love cinnamon; it's it's uh, mm -hmm. it's huge. And uh, uh, and I'm thinking um, that 
a number of these things uh, that that you mentioned. You know, cinema club. A club, I suppose, is is, is used in Bosnia. I mean, I remember that growing up. Uh, I heard recently, in fact, that um, because uh, ginger, I think, is mentioned in the Quran as uh, as being a, uh, an ingredient in these um, paradisal drinks. Uh, and someone uh, told me, I've never really thought about this, but someone told me that's because uh, you uh, you need uh, potency. Uh, <laughs> so so that, that, that was really funny, I have to say. Uh, but, but there are these, I mean, for instance, I don't remember ginger growing up, for instance, those kinds of things. Yes, but right. uh, but clue I do, uh, of course, uh, coffee, yeah, pepper, and uh, uh, some of these things. But, the, but things like um, saffron, um, mm-hmm. And his mask, the, you know that those kinds of things. Perhaps not so much. Uh, Yet they are they abound in these recipes. In so, these recipes, and they are not replaced. Yeah, yeah. In, so they're they're um, used without yeah. replacement. And because of the um, the sheer amount of these recipes and the sheer amount of the possibilities, the variations of the recipes show that in fact um, it was available. It was readily available. That's uh, that's wonderful, and that uh, that's a whole different kind of uh, knowledge because it, it it really shows, I think, through uh, uh, as you say, because the, exactly because they didn't change recipes and then ha- they had these annotations like how they could be substituted that you mm-hmm. can see what they needed and what they did not need, yes. what they had plenty of. Yes, yeah. and one thing that I would like to emphasize here is again this the importance of local economy and the Mm. participants in local economy. Um, So these recipes, of course, required access to um, some of the goods that were imported that were not locally grown. And and in other words, we see that also, by the way, in in herbals that are produced by uh, the uh, Franciscans in the region, who were the healers as well. But they don't. They didn't necessarily write love spells. They 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 were using. They were uh, giving recipes, which are, which when you read them are much more locally familiar. You know, lots of cabbage, for example, lots of uh, kale and uh, um, greens that that you know we see everywhere in Bosnia, wherever you go. Um, these more the so-called Oriental spices that came from the from. Um, the Middle East and Far East and uh, from, in other words, through trading routes um, were listed in um, the uh, local attars, the local herb uh, apothecaries. And the most important apothecaries in Bosnia were run by the Sephardic Jews. So you have here, the again, um, uh, a lovely sort of testimony to how local economy had these cross-confessional, interconfessional dimensions, uh, how that knowledge was shared. Some of it, you know, was also parceled in the sense that the um, apothecaries that we have in um, the Sephardic apothecaries and some of the, the lists of the ingredients that we have um, uh, we have from the later periods, not necessarily from early on the or uh, early Ottoman period, nevertheless from the later periods, still show that you know Sephardic uh, cuisine used its own uh, spices, but also uh, some of these were 
uh, clearly sold to to not just the you know they were not only there for so for Sephardic community but were there for the for everybody in the Charshia in the, everybody in the market as well as for the doctors for for the for you know for for medical treatments so you have the kind of transsectoral uh, and transconfessional as well as transregional um, exchange of knowledge and exchange of practice. So one thing that I, I really uh, would like to uh, uh, draw attention to in my work is that this is not, you know, popular practices that we t tend to think of this kind of, you know, something uh, under in the shadows of, of social um, social norms the shadows of social practices you know something that that just people do in the in the lower spheres of cultural uh, and social uh, but it's not it is really something that that has many different dimensions it goes from the the, the wealthiest members of society to the poorest uh, from the most sort of politically and socially eminent to to the riffraff so it cuts through different uh, classes, uh, genders, uh, religions, uh, rural. It, it sort of defies these um, these simple boundaries and simple categories that we work with. You know, city, village, uh, uh, urban, suburban, or or rural, uh, rich, uh, uh, poor, man, um, woman, and so on and so forth. I. I think that's uh, the, this kind of openness that you've been describing, the, the, this kind of flow uh, movement of uh, these things that are exemplified through that. I mean, whether or not we um, appreciate these practices any longer, I mean, wh whatever we think of them now, but uh, what you're describing is, is the way kind of uh, a society works and how, um, because, you know, what, what I was wondering of course, was uh, like once something comes from an, from another culture, like these these recipes, uh, for instance, and then uh, they meet with the local cultures, where there would be, of course, similar practices from before, right? So, so the two, so different traditions merge. They 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 uh, you know one plus one becomes three, uh, so they they become kind of much much richer, and then this uh, accessibility. So I was wondering, like, the, if um, because offhand, I would say that if I find a recipe uh, and it has these, let's say, exotic ingredients, I would naturally, it seems that it goes with the territory, that you naturally think that it's the, that exotic thing which is the spell, which which delivers, like, so the exoticism of it. Uh, but that's just a local ingredient over there. Uh, so this kind of understanding that it's not the exoticism of it, so we can f we can use cabbage, which I yes. think is hilarious. <laughs> I think people make fun of me because I post these uh, pictures of uh, eating cabbage. I love cabbage, uh, <laughs> not as an aphrodisiac. I didn't know if that it worked that way, if it had any any uh, applications. But I, what I mean is that um, there are no there, those are not the assumptions that you have to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, saffron, otherwise it's not going to work. You can have something very, very local, mundane, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, so uh, and also this um, the sense that you say that it's cross conventional, that it's not uh, bound to 
one uh, religion or uh, uh, village, uh, rural or um, urban space. Uh, th there's something fascinating about that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's just I'm imagining this uh, this this flow of of um, of energy, kind of this kind of sense that we need healing. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we have in common. We have certain problems in common and how do we approach them. So in a sense, there is a, a, a great demand for all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the king, you know, the sultan uh, has the same needs as a peasant. You know, if uh, he can't perform, you know, the wife will be pissed <laughs> and, uh, you know, they need to do something about that any, anyway. Uh, but... Um, I'm wondering uh, about the supply. You mentioned the Sephardic uh, apothecaries, uh, but I'm wondering, like, uh, of course, if there is a need, uh, there is a supply. Mm -hmm. So I suppose we established, like, where the need comes from, but who are the suppliers? Who are the people that you trust to deliver the proper stuff rather than, um, you know... Like like in any uh, like in any trade, you know, there's always the specialist. There's always the, the there's always the good stuff and the bad stuff, right? Uh, so, yeah. who were the the, the uh, those uh, who provided these services and yeah? Yeah, well, uh, trade was a very um, dynamic and and sort of rich sector of life in the Ottoman Empire and these empires, the pre-modern empires, as opposed to you know, contemporary, uh, either the, you know, kind of colonial co colonial uh, realms or modern, of course, nation states. When you were a part of the empire, you could move around. You could, you didn't have passports to go from, you didn't need to, to you know, to worry about uh, trespassing, traversing large, uh, large uh, uh, geographies so as to reach certain um, ingredients. So, so trade was actually very. It was a bustling market, and we have it, not just, of course, within the empire, but also across the the empire. We know that uh, lots of you know Bosnian traders were uh, both. You know, we find records of them in as as east as Basra, um, and then as as west as Venice. So, you know, the, the and Sarajevo was part of. Uh, the trading route, as were many other towns in in the region, so the supply was not so much of an issue. Um, the it was more a question of how I would say how it was distributed. Who were the authorities? Yes, who yes, were that's what I mean. yeah. you know uh, uh, gathering this? Who were who who were uh, using and dispensing these kinds of um, these kinds of of spells or these kinds of recipes? And that yeah. is. What is like the the uh, the, um, the figure that you know you uh, that has a function in a society that uh, can produce spells that can produce recipes is that the, is it like you have a recipe and then you just get the ingredients and you you do it yourself or do you have to have like an expert who does it Yeah, you never do it yourself. You would That's never right. do it. That's right. Exactly. No, yes. No. Yeah. You would need to because the recipe is not just about the ingredients. It is, it is alchemy. It is not, uh, you know, just the, the uh, again, you, it, is, you, it is if you want to 
to heal your throat. Okay, but if you want, if you want to evoke the Hawas, the special property, not just the botanical property, but the special property, then you need somebody who is connected with the spiritual realm, somebody who is knowledgeable about how to evoke the um, the astral correspondences, how to uh, work in auspicious times, how to ritually, because it, a, a talisman is a ritual object. It's not just a, a set of writings. It is a ritual object, and it, in order to be a ritual object, it needs to be ritually produced, and it needs to be ritually performed or used to have any kind of effect. And that, of course, requires knowledge. And usually, you know, there were there were um, religious authorities who were sometimes the imams who had this sort of also extra training. And most of the time in the after the 17th century, we know that from um, the, the the history uh, of esotericism, it's really um, the Sufi um, the Sufi experts, sort of Sufi uh, authorities, Sufi uh, sheikhs or or Sufis who had um, who who have then who add the the uh, the element of um, of a mystical teaching of botany teaching of esoteric teaching to uh, the um, to the performance of the spell to the uh, to the composition of the spell so they are able they know exactly which uh, surah which ayah to uh, use uh, to combine which particularly then also in this period which of the sifat of the 99 sifat of god to use in in which particular realm then also in the mathematical the usually there is a there is a vefk or a, uh, or a magic circle magic sort of square or circle so magic square has a particular uh, combination of uh, numbers because this is alpha numerological at this point where uh, in, you know where the the Quranic text is a particular disfat is associated with uh, a numerical value and that is then translated into a magic circle and the magic square and the magic square then brings together all these different uh, tr translates the different realms of of the cosmic correspondences of cosmic connections into the numbers which are captured in the spell. Uh, which are captured in the talisman and then ritually performed. So ritually used. So that's where this, for example, uh, the plants come in. You either burn the the um, the cinnamon together with uh, with the pepper, so as to uh, activate the what what the talisman contains, or you or you dilute it. You know, you use saffron to write with it. You use rose. Uh, water to 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 um, to sprinkle on it to make it. So you see, so so there is. It's not just the ingredient by itself. It's ingredient in combination with the magical formula, with the text, with uh, with these chawas, with the spiritual entities that is that are, who are summoned, so as to make the spell work. And sometimes, of course, you know, it is uh, they are very complex. Sometimes they are rather simple. So it depends uh, a little bit on the expertise. I mean, this is also quite uneven. I've I've come across uh, really complex material in the most 
banal of places, if you wish, in the most unexpected, not in, not in you know libraries or big, big sort of centers of learning, but rather in 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 you know in totally unassuming, um, either Sufi lodges or or oh, wow. or yeah. or um, religious centers that they didn't even know what what they had. It seems to me that, uh, the, of course, the the higher the task or the, the tougher the goal uh, is, the more of these skills you need to kind of uh, uh, employ, you, the, uh, you need to kind of take, uh, uh, draw on uh, more kinds of complex knowledge. Uh, and of course, that, that, that requires uh, a lot of uh, expertise, which is what, what I want to ask you about. Of course, like in history, uh, we will uh, always have... Uh, uh, just as now, you know, there are proper doctors and there are quacks. <laughs> right? uh, so I assume that even in uh, with regard to, to these kinds of spells and talismans uh, and uh, potions, all the all these things. Well, before I go there, I just want to say that it seemed to me that what you just described shows that it's it's not easy to distinguish necessarily between spells and uh, and potions because especially for those like bigger tasks, they mm -hmm. they are like one thing that you can't say like one is just purely linguistic or whatever. The other is material. Like you, they they go hand in hand. They need to kind of work uh, work together. But I'm, what I'm wondering is, uh, did you encounter cases where uh, they recorded, uh, for instance? Uh, people misusing these uh, uh, that they have uh, used them for like uh, from what you've been describing it's usually for health and good uh, some kind of benefit right mm -hmm. but uh, traditionally I, I'm sure there is because we have the notion of like white and black magic right? and um, uh, is black magic then different or is it like the misuse or deliberate kind of evil use of these kinds of things uh, uh, and uh, how was that kind of traditionally kind of recorded and treated uh, looked upon how did people distinguish between uh, between the two well we certainly have in the course of um, all religious traditions um, including Islamic tradition with which I'm mainly working um, a rather uh, long uh, discursive uh, or long tradition of discourse against or for uh, magic and um, with some prominent scholars uh, opposing it uh, with some sort of being indifferent towards it and with some secretly actually using it or acknowledging that it can be that it, they can work Within the medical tradition, likewise, I mean, we have, you know, uh, medical authorities like even Sina who says you can't use uh, magic. Uh, it's wrong to use magic to saying uh, to then you realize that actually some of his own botanical stuff actually is what later on becomes, uh, in fact, uh, the basis for, for magic practice. So it's, there is a range of... Uh, of possibilities, a range of responses, uh, and a very sort of, yes, volatile relationship uh, uh, towards magic. It's, I think now, uh, 
there is much more of a sort of clear desire to exclude magic because part, partly I think that has to do with modernity, not just with theology. It's this idea that the modern, in, you know, in, in the modern world we don't need magic, but actually we know that that is not the case, that there is still the magic practices are everywhere and very sort of very common and very richly present and many with many different expressions but we somehow we 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 push them into the fringes and we th think of them as something that you know that only for we do it only for fun or or only uneducated people do uh, in in this is not the case of course in in the period that i'm working with uh what what i can and even though I, I do know of the of of the theories of the discussions debates about about uh, uh, whether magic is, is licit or illicit, uh, we are dealing actually with a very sort of um, unclear territory. First of all, we don't. We, uh, the question is, what are we talking about? What, you know, what term are we dealing with? What terms are we dealing? With? What and this is one of the big questions that um, every time there is a, a, a gathering, academic gathering, academic conference of any kind, forum of people who work with this, we grapple with the question of what term are we, is, is the word magic appropriate? Is the word occult appropriate? Is uh, any, any of these, all of these terms seem to be rather laden uh, and with with something with some meaning, but uh, but but they they don't really explain what we are working with. Um, so I would say what, but I, so it, let me go back to what I what I am dealing, what I'm encountering in the sources. What I'm encountering is really not, I, I'm yet to find a spell that is what we would call black magic to bring harm. Most recipes and most talismans that I'm working with it, I have, and I have seen hundreds of talismans and I have seen dozens of manuals are about protection against magic. So it is, so if you know, in, in the word seher is used as a kind of, yeah, so it is, it, but it is against seher. So who it is that performs seher, I don't know, but this is used to protect against the seher. You see, so it's protective. It's a apotropaic. It's, it's meant to bring a shield against abuse of, of uh, you know, of, of, of magic of, of, or misuse of, of these forces. So I, I, I think that a very, that's very important in a way to see as a practice that people are aware or are afraid of something that they don't, of the unknown. That unknown can be uh, malevolent, it can be benevolent. We don't know. But the, the, the spells are really against uh, either possibilities. So there is an assumption that you can find Sihr. And so there are, there are places where you will find Sihr. There are situations where you will find Sihr. But who casts that spell? Who casts black magic is not clarified, it's not clear. It is some 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 boogeyman out there, exactly some some somebody out there who does this, and I need to protect myself against it. So, so the the spells that I'm working with are are in that sense protective. They are not meant to harm. They are meant to protect.
and um, so so in terms of the the discussion about this they don't really in that sense they don't they don't elucidate more they all they can they tell me is that uh, there is an awareness of black magic of we would call, what we would call black magic but there is no practice of black magic in, in the material time. In the materials, that's it. Yeah. So that's again, what I find fascinating. Sort of if it's uh, some kind of, uh, th that kind of black occult uh, knowledge or that, that kind of practice, if it's uh, hidden, how is it hidden? How, uh, how are those uh, materials, recipes, uh, uh, practices kind of transferred and who does them? And all the, I mean, in every culture, we, it's usually kind of somehow people identify, okay, well, that's a person who produces her uh, black magic or whatever, and then these are the kind of counter spells or counter mm -hmm. potions and, and so on, the, 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 the protective uh, ones. Protective, yeah. but also, if I can add, I mean, uh, yes. there are the, the protective, but there are also these more uh, proactive ones in which proactive, actually you yes. bring mm -hmm. to you you bring about a good outcome of a situation in which now there is there is what's important to acknowledge also is that there is uh, many many spells are also dealing with the jinn with with the presence of the jinn and the oh, jinn yes. are the ones who have who are a bit out of control you know you don't know whether they will they will act uh, in your favor or or opposite you know or they will bring you harm so uh, the so in that sense uh, you you need to to deal with the jinn and then sometimes that also in, in means that you are expecting a bad thing to happen or when you think see that something bad has happened particularly in your health then you ascribe it to the jinn so it's the, it's the jinn who are doing doing it but it's not the jinn are not necessarily that's not necessarily referred to as that they are doing seher on you but they are right, just yes. it's just yeah. that they are possessing you in a way that you you know you don't want uh, you don't want i mean they're they're doing something on you uh, that brings you harm but they are not necessarily performing seher you see what I mean? That's right. Yes, so, they so don't the need to be kind of caused by a seher buzz or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Like it's a, just that, yeah, that yeah. they have a certain they have certain power over us that we cannot predict, and that we need to make sure that when we are dealing with uh, situations with the etiologies which are associated with the jinn, that we do it really carefully because we don't want to piss jinn off. I see. <laughs> and they we can be no. very easily pissed off. And they can, yes. and you know, and so, so lots of rituals actually s speak about this, you know, make sure that you don't, when you are dealing with the jinn, that you, what, what kind of words you use, what kind of outfits you use, who you, uh, you uh, seek help from. For example, you know, often this is where children are brought in, like they say, you know, to talk to the jinn, you can't be a tall man. You need to, uh, you need to, you need to bring, if you are a tall person, you can't talk to the jinn. You need to bring a child who will speak on your behalf. So you will kind of, as a kind of intermediary, who will con communicate to the jinn because the jinn are too uh, will be scared of you, and they will they will then uh, 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 react uh, negatively. They will, you know, they will they will think you are trying to dominate them. So you know, so there are all these. Uh, th that's yet another realm of of activity where where. Um, I don't find that so much in the reference to love because, funnily, the jinn are not. Even though we have a tradition of the majnun, that's and right. Majnun uh, Leila, you know, the somebody who is possessed by the jinn, who is so much in love. 
Um, I, in in my spells, I don't have a, a reference to the jinn when it comes to love. Um, I was so curious about that because that that seemed to me is. Uh, well, the word itself, as you say, majnoon comes like someone obsessed, you know, possessed by a jinn, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, in common language, it means mad, right? So, to be mad, to be means to be possessed, uh, in a sense, to not be yourself, mm-hmm. uh, so be outside of yourself, which is a kind of a common definition of love that it's ecstatic that means that that it kind of throws you out of yourself that you are not yourself when you are in love you know so so it's uh, i feel it's kind of a natural explanation in most cultures what this kind of connection between love and madness and what Mm -hmm. love does to you so so love makes you mad uh it possesses you uh, the way you know um a kind of a foreign creature would or something like that yes Uh, yes uh yeah but I don't, again, you I, don't find been, it. I was looking, I was specifically looking, looking for, for precisely that. because of that tradition and because of the Majnun Leila tradition and the whole issue around the poet, you know, the poets being Majnun in the, in, in the uh, early Islamic and pre-Islamic times. So the jinn as the inspiration, of course, in that case, or jinn as a possession in, in the case of Majnun Leila as a kind of possession of the emotions. But in the recipes that I'm in, when it's it comes to dealing with love, there is no gin mentioned. There is that no, is amazing. It is, yeah, I, I expected is you not, would find loads. Yeah, you will find. I will find the gin in in health issues. That certain in health. In okay. He, certain. So so there is a certain mental. Yes, there is association with mental disturbances with the gin, but not just the mental disturbances, but also you know certain bodily disturbances. If you have. Uh, what we would now uh, uh, refer to as in irritable bowel syndrome IBS actually it is it is that usually that etiology is associated with the gin that the gin have you know sort of you know make you use you know make you not digest the food properly and and certain th- things like that but when it comes to to love relations etc and making you feel that you are you know you want he, you want to to uh, 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 when it is unrequited love or when it is it's not there's no gin there's no I don't I haven't found the gin yet again may, it it might be somewhere but I still haven't but you haven't it. found it yeah that, uh, and this and, is and what I thought I would find right away but I haven't found it yet yeah, and that's why I was curious about like uh, and I, I was wondering if it had to do with. Um, because at, at one point you talk about this kind of disconnect between the inherited occult practices in everyday life and the highly kind of sophisticated these esoteric treatises that that you found. Uh, so I was expecting that maybe there would be that you would find it somewhere there uh, uh, that that some someone has somehow recorded it or how let's say if. Uh, if making someone fall in love with you uh, is done with the help of a jinn or uh, or some other way that uh, that that would be there at least maybe in the remedy that it's indicated okay if you are possible I, I mean nowadays what I've seen uh, after the war for me I, I think this is an interesting development I've seen uh, a lot of this uh, spread of uh, uh, the idea that everyone is under a spell, uh, mm-hmm. that the people have uh, been exposed to see her, uh, 
to black magic to a greater extent than ever. So you have these people, you know, these traveling uh, Rukia exorcists, mm -hmm. uh, people who uh, who either you know recite the Quran or, uh, but they also what they also do is some of the things that you have uh, mentioned, like maybe taking an eye or something and then maybe diluting it in water and then you have to drink that water or they recite on the water and like lots of different kinds of practices and they often speak of like the jinn like the possession uh, and uh, and love and madness and th those kinds of things but but i, I it seems to me like where does it come from like uh, uh, and if if it's not traditionally that way yeah yeah well i must say there I mean, cl clearly there is some connection, there is some continuity there, but there is also some new ageism involved. New ageism, yes. I was, yeah, yeah I, so, I, I agree. Um, and new, age, new ageism comes in, in many different formations, and, and I would say that um, without, you know, downplaying it and, and without downplaying its, its popularity and its importance, it's not about be, staying, you know, uh, it's not about being... Um, uh, establishing connection with the tradition. It's about using the tradition to address certain contemporary and modern uh, woes. So, so one is not one does not necessarily place one's teaching in that regard in in the matter of continuity, but in the matter of selective and selected. Um, section of the tradition and then reworking it for the and you know you see that with in in every uh, in every uh, new age movement that you recognize certain elements but you don't necessarily directly connect it with so it's not it's not in that sense neo-traditionalism it is new ageism it's new ageism i i uh, that has always been my sense uh, especially because in our case with uh, the war and all these kind of ruptures in the continuity with the tradition exactly that you are kind of when you're ruptured from where you come from you know how the, the flow of tradition and you know uh, and, and you you no longer know what it actually means so you have this kind of modern interpretation of it and then you make it up as you go like then you start categorizing then you start analyzing it in a way that is at the same time a combination of a very modern uh, point of view uh, uh, secular point of view, but also uh, the new needs, of mm -hmm. course. Exactly. Uh, right. Mm. Exactly. These are these are part of the new, uh, new uh, or modern religions, new religions, new, new, which are which are product of modern of modern times. They are not a product of tradition. They are they are they are product. They are outcomes of of modern uh, trends and modern movements. Um, and and they are important because they still speak to the fact that people, uh, regardless of you know of 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 the idea that that somehow some in this kind of teleological discourse uh, of secularism that we will get to the point in which we will discard religion altogether, um, we know that this is not happening, and we know that that religion is as strong as it as it has always been, or perhaps even stronger now. Um, and as uh, as Derrida puts it, is adieu, uh, goodbye. Does it mean goodbye or does it mean adieu towards God? Uh, 
yeah, so is it adieu to the religion? Is adieu to to back to God? So kind of post secular uh, 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 period, and we have um, we have lots of religious new new movements which uh, speak to the kind of recycling that that is happening, and that again does not need to be completely uh, perceived as totally. Uh, uh, totally different from what what went on in the past i mean religions always appear in context of other religious traditions so so they are all they all sort of recycle each other in some ways and and there is a certain continuity and and just because they are we have we have inherited them from the ancients doesn't mean that they are more authentic than than uh, what people are searching now, uh, even though we like to think that they are more authentic and more somehow true because they are they have survived to date. Um, but, but also they they maybe appear um, again uh, just as the ingredients they appear more kind of exotic because they're old. Yes, they and yeah. exactly, and there is certain yeah. they they uh, pursue certain questions that we still. Uh, grapple with, so in other words, they they've posed questions that oh, clearly have not been answered, and that you know that this require lots of energy and lots of inspiration. They give us lots of inspiration, and that that we still uh, uh, we find value in in those questions, even though they are not our questions. They are questions that we have inherited. But the the new religions pose different questions. I mean, they some of those questions are still there such as what is the meaning of life and what is how will i be a better human being but they they pose them from a different vantage point and uh, and offer different answers borrowing some things from the past but also uh, working with uh, with the current uh, social uh, trends and demographic trends and um, and understanding that um, that communication is done in different ways so uh, part of the part of those New Age practices are also practices of uh, occult uh, revivalism, if you wish, um, that address what people need now rather than what you know. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, um, it, it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense, uh, and especially like when you see some of the people engaged in certain practices. Yeah, you know, like uh, sometimes even visually, they want to appear like they come from another age, but they are super modern. <laughs> yes, uh, in, yes, in a yes. way, yes. Uh, I mean, they you, they yeah. will appeal to authenticity. They will appeal to That's antiquity right. as well. They That's will say, right. okay, this you know. So they will yeah. in, in, insert certain elements that will make them feel that they are perennial that's right uh, or, yeah, so that, or they, that uh, they are transcendent uh, or uh, transhistorical but um, but a closer look always reveals very specific historical grounding and that's why i love the, the kind of the, the, the way you beautifully show how it was uh, uh, more most egalitarian in 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 the old time and uh, how the positioning the modern kind of positioning is is going on uh, right now with these borders like the, in the, the in terms of identity politics and all that mm-hmm. colors the way it works uh, uh, a lot more um, I got curious uh, about the fact that you you said that in a lot of these manuals or, or that these manuals that you have found are polyglot. Mm-hmm. That they use multiple languages, uh, and 
uh, that that says something also about the audiences they were mm-hmm. speaking to or catering to. Uh, can you just say something about that that kind of polyglot element to, to it? I, I, I kind of love that. Well, there is certainly, of course, in the Ottoman Empire, as a, as a as a construct was a polyglot construct with three languages functioning in three different realms of public life there is the persian there is the ottoman turkish and there is arabic and they they come together sometimes um in more exciting ways when it is when it's outside of you know just the realm of administration of the realm of religious writing of the realm of of literary expression and the the esoteric tradition is one of those those realms where actually they coexist when they where they you you'll find in these manuals they uh that they are used at the same time um appealing to uh, for different reasons you know whether it is um writing a particular recipe or it's writing um, a particular explanation of the recipe or or and so on and so forth so you'll have the presence of already you know of um, uh, ottoman turkish and arabic and persian but then you have other things come in. So in the case of Ottoman Bosnia, Bosnian, I, I find phrases in Bosnian that, that are interspersed there. Names of, um, of um, uh, ingredients, uh, plants, you know, particularly when they are substituted, you know, mm-hmm. names are in Ottoman Bosnian. Then sometimes you find, um, interestingly, uh, uh, names in Greek, uh, particularly if they are taken, if they go back to a certain spell that comes from the ancient Greek tradition or is associated with uh, 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 Hellen- Hellenic, uh, Hellenistic, Hellenic tra- heritage, uh, is associated, or, or if it is associated with the Materia Medica, for example. Uh, sometimes Latin, if it is, trans- if it is connected from, um, through the Latin uh, tradition through the Franciscan tradition in Bosnia, um, you will find um, uh, in terms of the alphabets also every now and then uh, uh, something uh, written in 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 the old in the in Bosanchica in the Bosnian script. Um, the, uh, uh, lots of Hebrew names from the from uh, the particularly from in the angelic realm. Um, the uh, we, you know in the Islamic tradition, of course, we deal with the four, uh, with the four archangels. But the names of other angels are not readily available. Uh, you know, so in fact, they then you in the occult, in the esoteric tradition, they come from uh, the the uh, Hebrew Bible, from the is uh, from the tradition of the Hebrew tradition, Hebrew names. Um, then you know, so so you will have these. And then, of course, there are there is the language of magic. The language there of magic, are, there, yes. There is yeah. their magic yeah. formula, yeah, including the alphabet, the magic. Including alphabet. the alphabet, yes. Yeah, there is a strong. My first thought was, uh, of course, that uh, you know, multiple languages uh, requires or shows immediately that this is the realm of an expert. You know, someone who can deal with different cultures, different languages, all that, it, it shows complexity. So not every anyone can simply dig into it and, and do this. So it, 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 that it serves maybe some kind of a, 
a protective that is a little bit protective that no one can simply take this and 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 uh, you know go to his kitchen and cook this right uh, yes yes yeah absolutely and you know there is i would say yes there is a, the the question of authority or legitimacy yes and credibility uh, which is important to establish in these uh, in these kinds of practices there is uh, the issue of uh, knowledge uh, in terms of you know, accumulated knowledge, cumulative knowledge. And then also, um, I would say that you, you know, what you point at is, is an important element and you often have um, a, uh, a twist in, in the a recipe. A twist. Okay. Or a twist in the magic formula or a twist in the magic square where you don't complete the whole recipe at that moment. Oh, wow. For fear, okay. one, of... of um, exactly of, of somebody using it you know readily available uh, and then anybody can use it yes but or uh, so so instead you leave a certain element you leave a number out the secret leave, ingredient <laughs> you leave exactly you leave the secret ingredient you leave something out so that the this the spell is not complete as you write it in the manual Oh wow! So, you see, so on then, the, on so the then, the practitioner, the one who yes. practices it, who actually uses it and translates it into a real ritual object, will complete it uh, through that esoteric, uh, un, un, unstated, unstated uh, yeah. element, or will, you know, sometimes, for example, I will find uh, magic squares in which, you know, magic squares are are uh, built they're like sudoku you know built on the assumption that oh, yes, but, uh, that yeah. the numbers must conform both in terms of the mm -hmm. rows and in terms of the columns and sometimes you you encounter mistakes in the you calculation. encounter mistakes in oh. these yes you encounter yeah. mistakes in these manuals and um, and i was like why how can they make such a basic mistake in in the calculations right. well and then I was, um, as, as I've learned both in, from, from sources and in conversation with people who work on, on, on these, um, these types of practices, actually sometimes it's done on purpose so that... Yes, um, it's a protect. The, it's the a protection thing, of, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or you leave a number outside of a square. So you yes. have a, a number is inside and then right next to it there is a number which uh -huh. is not put inside the square so that yeah. when you put it when you are making a sp when you yeah. when you make a talisman which in itself uh, testifies to what you said earlier that it is about protection and health and and uh, and yes. really uh, th that you don't want anyone to misuse this that they don't want anyone to to be exposed to harm uh, so it's always like yes, do no exactly. harm yeah. exactly exactly yeah. there is a very it's i must say that i i am quite impressed at how carefully oh, these manuals are in terms of uh, indicating that you know that misuse of this is uh, can be harmful and and how much they I so uh, harm is harm it's not it doesn't even have to be intentional harm I mean it you know no, if, I'm, exactly. if I know exactly, exactly yes. how the recipe is and I think I can produce it well uh, you don't want the after, you know, you don't want the effect of it that I, that suddenly you grow horns instead of, you know, be having something else done. So, so in other words, it's not, it's, it, it can be, it, it also can be unintentional, but it's still 
uh, it doesn't bring the the desired effect. Yeah. It's a little uh, bit like do not do this at home or something. Do not like do that. this exactly. Exactly. There are yeah. disclaimers. There are disclaimers yeah. in all of these. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, you know, if we if we talk, if we try to look at all the grimoires that have been uh, that have been produced in uh, in the Islamic tradition, it would be impossible, of course, to I think to uh, not to encounter uh, uh, those that that are that address um, you know uh, the question of harm more explicitly, or even teach how to how to do it. Um, I mean, you know, uh, the first big grimoire that we know of, you know, that was produced in the Islamic lands, um, Gayatul Hakim, or that, is, that was translated into, into uh, Latin as Picatrix, uh, and that became the most important source in um, Renaissance Europe uh, for, for uh, performing magic spells and magic tricks, and and has remained one of the most important uh, grimoires in the history of of uh, at least Western and uh, and Middle Eastern um, civilizations. That one is full of spells that are, you know, that are not necessarily just nice spells, kind spells. You know, there are other other types of spells, but that one is least. That, that one is pre kind of Sufi uh, and pre Ruhaniyat kind of uh, uh, manual. So there is a different type of uh, 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 logic or mechanism of of spell production that um, that you know is uh, that operates there. Uh, the ones that I am working with from the Ottoman period in the Ottoman Bosnia period, in fact, are. Um, more, much more clearly rooted in this idea that the ruhaniyat, that the the, the spiritual entities are the ones who that govern the execution of spells, the the benef the the efficacy of spells, uh, the correctness of spells, and you want to evoke the the proper co correspondences, you know, yes, rather than and you can do that, you know, you, exactly, and you can do that by following closely. The um, the recipe, but also by discovering, as it were, it's the process of unveiling. It's the process of discovering uh, uh, the true correspondence. So there is a certain esoteric uh, uh, knowledge that you need to have, religious knowledge, esoteric knowledge, botany knowledge that not everybody has. That's right. Oh, that's so fascinating. It's uh, uh, just such depth and richness to that. Uh, uh, to, to how people have thought it. It says a lot how people thought about themselves, uh, how they placed themselves in uh, their societies, how they worked with each other, uh, how they looked upon each other, all that, uh, all those uh, things which uh, I suppose are, um, well, they're not necessarily explicitly said, but they're kind of implied in these, in these uh, practices. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, in a sense, well, uh, to kind of bring it to the kind of last question, uh, I tend to connect uh, love uh, to storytelling. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it seems to me that there is no love without some sort of narrative, some kind of um, storytelling, what we tell ourselves about who we are, who we are in love, what love is, telling. So, so even these recipes, even these spells, they are like 
they, they seem to me like narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and they, they, they say so much about like how we practically kind of approach law, what law is without defining it rationally, like in a, in a, in a uh, you know, like in a treatise or something like that. But it, they really tease out what we really, uh, what l- l- love really is uh, for us. So I wonder if you could just uh, say something about the notion of narrative and love. And in a sense, the ultimate spell for me is, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, <laughs> that, nice that, that phrase is, that's the ultimate uh, spell that yes. is the one which requires from you to respond Right. Yes. So, yes. when there is no response, then you want like, well, the spell didn't work. Like she's not, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. And yes. and uh, that, that those magical words, right? So. Yes, that's beautiful, guys. <clears throat> yeah, I would say that yes, that each spell is or each recipe is is a, 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 a if I look at it modularly, it's a complex of. There is the visual. There is the magic. There is the narrative. There is the religious. There is the botanical. Um, so it's, I would say, it's an interdisciplinary narrative, which you can, you know, you, which you, you need to sort of start saying, okay, so um, I, as a, as, a, um, as a carrier of a talisman, or as I, as a beneficiary of a talisman, I, as a requester of the talisman, I, as a patient, um, I'm asking from this authority who can write this, who can resolve this for me. Uh, I'm asking to do something with my feeling of uh, of sadness when I think of this and this person, or when I think of this cat. Because there are, there are some of them are towards you know towards uh, the the animal livestock and the uh, animals in the household, um, and I worry about them or something. So, what can I do? What can you do for me that I that you that that I, that I take care of this worry that I know that this person or this entity or this. I love I love my cat, but she doesn't love me back. She doesn't love me back, or she's yes, I. You she's know, indifferent uh, to me. My, I have one. There are there is a recipe which um, there is one uh, situation where the spell is precisely about livestock. My livestock seems to be they are not eating, and I don't know what I'm doing. Is the, has the gin uh, come to them, or what is? Are they sick? Are they? Am I? What, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And I want them to be. I want them to be fine. I want them to be, uh, and I worry about them. I can't sleep at night. So what do I do? So, um, so you, and then and then you, you unfold the, the the talisman. Then you see, okay, so this is what you pray. This is what you. Uh, is, the talismans are, are really as as Taufi Kanan, who worked a Palestinian uh, uh, historian who worked a lot on. Um, on a, uh, sorry, worked on the spells in in Palestine. Uh, says that the the talismans are, are really just uh, uh, very intensified prayers. They are prayers, really, primarily, but they are intensified forms of prayer. So there is a sort of there is you you rely on the prayer. You rely on you you trust that um, that whatever is put in the talisman will then will will 
bring the different elements of the story in a in a in a logical uh, structure, so that the beneficiary or the the object of your desire, the object of your love, the object of your worry, will understand that story that you are that that, that story exactly. will unfold in yes. a way that will reach uh, the object. Place themselves uh, uh, or be placed correctly in that story. In that relationship. In exactly. that relationship. So yes. Be, you, yeah. relationship be between you and your wife, or you and your lover, and you and your child, you and your future spouse, that you know that that the talisman will create a bond between you and them, and will actually um, yes, through unfolding of that story, or unfolding of those elements, or coming together of those elements, that uh, there will be a successful outcome so it is a way of relating to somebody um, and it's a way of saying some things can be expressed but some things cannot some things you have to have faith in so it's part of that again the narrative that something is unspoken but that it creates the wow effect in the end that oh it's good it feels good kind of effect which is sometimes it's not about words it's about implications it's about the unsaying it's about the assumptions that are within we are present there but are not expressed in in narrative um, explicit narrative terms but the narrative as we know is not just about the words it's about how the words are put together yeah how the, how the you know the, the interpretation as well so so yes they can they they do tell and the other stories that they tell is the, the story of of history the story of of people's lives and and you know everyday um anxieties and everyday aspirations and inspirations and something that we don't read in history books i mean history books are not about this history books are about you know whether it's social history or or political history are about how big how how important people uh made things happen whereas this is about everybody this is not just about important people but the important people also use the talismans this is it's about uh, everyday uh, individuals and uh, everybody how they um how they express their anxieties how they express their worries and their desires and how they resolve them. So it's it's really uh, the other side of history. It's it's this unhidden, uh, or this hidden history that uh, sorry is that that we don't always have easy access to. Um, and those are the stories that we can capture from these kinds of sources, um, based on the the topics in these spells. We see, in fact, the variety of of human concerns. That is, uh, that is so beautiful. Amila, thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge, all this richness, all this. Uh, it just really warms my heart to, to hear this. And uh, uh, I, I, I think there's, uh, there's just so much that connects us that, uh, that we can find in, uh, in our common heritage, where we come from and, um, and how we have interacted over the years and, and find new ways of creating new intimacies and communicating. So, so thank you much for, so much for this beautiful, uh, uh, just this beautiful conversation. Well, thank you so much, Adnan. I think that you're right. I mean, that we, we tend to 
see, look at the past um, without realizing how much in common we have with people who lived in the past and people who in fact are part of our, our story, our history, our shared humanity and how much their concerns are the concerns that we have still. I mean, there's some things, regardless of whether we can conquer the, the moon and then fly to Mars, and some things we still cannot resolve, and that is, why doesn't she love me back? <laughs> exactly. Do I have to go so, back to, to the moon and find the secret ingredient? <laughs> and that is one of, the, one of the spells that I have, and I can end on that note, is precisely yeah. saying, if you want a woman to love you more, then you do this, and then there is no rest of the recipe. So oh, that's where it stops. Empty. And then that's where it stops. So that's, the manuscript stops there for some reason. It's lost, but it's I. Lost. But it's it's lost in a very apt way. That's you know. It, I, yeah. I, 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 I still have to now to go and look for other manuscripts that will tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the story of Shahrazad. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's that's a beautiful one. The story continues. Yeah. The story continues. Yes. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. And. Uh, have a lovely evening.